Hello, welcome to Unseeded. This is our podcast covering day five, no, our day five of Roland Garros and actually day six of Roland Garros, yeah. of Roland Garros as a tournament. Um, so we were parked on Simone Mathieu today, yeah. the third court. We had some pretty good seats, I thought. Um, obviously, we were in the sun for quite a lot of the day. Yes, I was, um, yeah. So Dennis gave himself heat stroke for the second time this holiday. Yeah, um, probably. Yeah. I did miss the last game of the day, which had no sun. So. Yeah, which, yeah, it was actually really nice. I mean, this genuinely might have been my favourite match of the day, just because uh, I'll get to it later. Oh. Um, but yeah, so the first match scheduled on Simone Machia was um, Hatchinov against Kokinakis. Cocky, as he was being called. or yeah. Big Cock. Big Cock. Um, Try the Aussies. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, one thing I thought about is that Kokonakis did start strong and he looked on top for a bit, didn't he? Like, I think for a bit we were like, oh, he's making light work of... Catching off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Until, well, I think he went, was it 3-0 up? You'd had the first break? Yeah, I think so. In the first yeah. set. Yeah, he, he, he got a break up quite early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it was the first service game. And then uh, it looked like he was was just out hitting catching off. But then Kachanov came into his flow and then brought him two sets down. Yeah. But Kokonakis was just... He was in his own head, wasn't he? Yeah, from about the third... I don't know what he... I genuinely don't know what happened. For about, like, the fourth, fifth game of the match... Yeah, he was... He'd start... You could see he was looking around at all the crowd. He yeah, was who was walking... Complaining about the bounces. Yeah, that something about the court it was... But I couldn't work out, was it the court or was it the people walking past and then... Mm. He was like the some of the bounces were not as like they were they were just like skidding they weren't bouncing properly. I think he was trying to say I don't really know what he was going on about. Yeah. But did yeah. it help that there was that contentious call at some point as well from the umpire? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. uh, I think he, to be fair, he did have a case for it there. That you know the call was out. Then the umpire overturned it in, but Sanasi had already hit the ball. But he hit it into the net, but he'd heard it out. So obviously, I understand maybe he didn't try his best to get it back over because he didn't have to, because he'd thought he's won the point, so it should be replayed. But you know, he still got himself back into. I think he did the right thing at the end of the first set, coming off court, just trying to gather himself. It didn't really help, to be fair, until the third set. But you know, he came back into it and he gave a proper game. It was a good match. It was, it was a, a good, good match. match. It was a good match. I mean, I know he lost the fourth set, but it was very, it was a very competitive tiebreaker. Yeah, well. it got to a tiebreaker. I mean, he led the tiebreaker points, didn't he? Yeah, I think he was a four-one, and yeah. then uh, he just capitulated. Yeah, and then, but yeah, I mean, to be fair to Karen Hatchnov as well, he played a decent game. He did. And he, what he, a nice guy. Yeah, he cut a frustrated figure at times, like as well with Hatchnov. You saw him do the whole. So, like, he was he was getting in it, bit in his head, and like went up to the umpire as well. Yeah, yeah, and but yeah, no, I mean that is one takeaway, which was uh, in the post match interview on court. He, oh he, yeah, he just seemed like a lovely chap. Yeah, he did, and uh, he changed my opinion. I didn't really have much of an opinion on him, but now I'm like, you know what? I hope he goes far. He's got Sonego next, which will be a good match. Yeah, and uh, who knocked out his friend Rublev, so. Kachanov or Sonego will make the quarter. Mm. The winner of that will play, I think it's Sitsi Pass. Yeah. Um, well, I just it'll be Sitsi Pass or Alcaraz. 
So Alcaraz, he plays in the quarterfinal. Oh, right, no, 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 because it's a, it's a Sitsipas-Alcaraz. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sitsipas-Alcaraz quarterfinal. Oh, yeah, because Rublev was the one we thought could have made yeah. the demi, but obviously he won't. Yeah, I mean, Sonego, Sonego's one of those. He's, a, he's a, you know, he's got, he, I know he's younger, and he hasn't actually won a Grand Slam like Sloan Stevens, but he has that feel about him where he'll just be absent from any sort of news story for three months and then all of a sudden he's in the semi-final of, a, mm. of an event or something like that and he's just and not only he's in the semi-final he's probably knocked out like Djokovic or something like that yeah. he's, he's just done something like that um, but he's, he's I like Sonego as well he's like a like an exciting player to watch yeah so yeah uh, just just for context Hatchinov beat Kokonakis 6-4-6-1 6-4, 3-6-7-6-5 so yeah, it was it was a, it was a really good match, and then it was followed by another really good match, I yeah. thought, which was um, Blinkova against Svitolina. Yeah. Um, so we had a one-sided first set that went to Blinkova six-two. Yeah, which I think was followed by a one-sided second set that went to Svitolina six-two. Yeah. And then we had a third set that was actually pretty close um, because. I mean, Svitolina did take a a, a two-break lead, essentially. Yeah. Um, but then she did fail to serve it out the first time. Yeah. Well, she did, she only ever had a one-break lead, but she... Had it twice. She had it twice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because she failed to serve it out the first time, broke again, and then served it out. Yeah. But, I mean, what... I, the thing that I just thought about that match was watching it, obviously I missed most of the first set so I wasn't expecting it to go by that quickly yeah uh no not the first set the second set um because yeah yeah it went by extremely quickly the one thing I thought is both players were putting absolutely everything into every ball that they hit yeah yeah, yeah. I mean it was I mean Svitolina I did like I I mean I always I wanted Anna Blinkova to win just because the whole crowd were against her and she's not a big name either so I was like you know let's Let's, you know, give her a few claps and and give her some support. But Fitalina was a bit of a weird one because Anna Blinkova, I think, throughout the whole game was doing her usual groaning when she was hitting the ball. But Svitolina just somehow, mid-rally, would just start screaming when she was hitting the ball, even if it wasn't even a full extension or, like, struggling. I was just like... I don't know if she was doing it to mock Blinkova or... No, was... no, from my sense, it was like... She wasn't doing it all the time, but she was doing it for a reason. Like, if she was stretching, if she was hitting it a bit awkwardly. No, but there was a few times I felt she, she'd start the rally. She'd have, like, the serve and then, like, three solid forehands where she'd run through the ball with some power. So it would have been some strenuous effort to do that and no no noise at all. And then all of a sudden, like, the next three shots, she'll have a noise coming out of her. Yeah, but I, 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 I just felt there's a difference. Cause, well, I, I picked up on that, but I just felt like the difference was, like, when, when she wasn't, she was just swinging through the ball was normal. But when she was, like, got, like having the loud grunt yeah. was because her body was basically swinging through the ball. Like, she was putting her whole body into the shot. Yeah. Could have been um, the case. But she was just the better player. Yeah. Um, probably didn't deserve to... I mean, in terms of a blink of a given an effort, he did deserve to go the full length. But Svitolina was just way better. And she showed that in the second set that when she started hitting the ball, she would only have lost that game through her mistakes rather than blink of a 
there weren't as many winners from Blinkova as there were for Svitolina because Svitolina could just hit the ball harder, dictate yeah. the play more, and she. So I think Svitolina is definitely looking more a more aggressive player than she was before. Her baby. She, before she went on maternity leave, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the baby was in the crowd and so was Girl Monfils. Yeah. Maybe that that's inspiring them. Maybe. But yeah, no, I mean and it is an impressive run given this is her first slam since coming back. Yeah, and it will um, end next against Daria Kasatkina, who's looked solid. Who <laughs> looks unbelievable this tournament. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, another thing about that match is at the end of the match there was booing when there was no handshake between the players. Yeah. But, I mean, they stopped and had a brief exchange. Yeah. yeah, A nod, an acknowledgement. But, like, why is there booing? Because this has been happening for over a year now. Surely we must know that Ukrainian players aren't going to shake the hands of Russians or Belarusians. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's perfectly... Like, it's it's expected, so it's not like it's coming out of nowhere. Yeah. And I think it's perfectly reasonable, given... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it was... Uh, there was much... Uh... Uh, what's it called? It's, it wasn't as it wasn't as hostile to that as when um, Sabalenka beat Kostyuk in the first round because there was a lot of booing then. Yeah, yeah. I did feel that Blinkova um, at the start of the match was particularly aggressive, and I think that maybe there was something to do with that. I mean, I don't know how how she. I know it. she's quite an aggressive player. Who was it? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that is the case. Svitolina as well crying at the end when she won on her chair before she had her interview so yeah I don't know if that was I think I think I think with Svitolina all manner of things obviously the 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 geopolitical nature probably had some impact but as well to go on this run yeah. after a such a long absence yeah fourth round yeah at, and... at the French Open which as she was saying in an interview clearly means a lot to her um, yeah yeah because yeah. Uh, I think she's of the 16 players I've seen win so far at the French Open. She's the 16th, I believe, that said that exact same line. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, like, <laughs> it, it, she actually gave a reason. It wasn't just... Oh, no, I know. Okay, and, but... and as well, maybe a bit of Monfils in there is, and a bit of French influence. Yeah, yeah but it's not her favourite surface. She hasn't... No. She's, uh, she hasn't done too well on clay in comparison to... I think she's got to a semi of Wimbledon. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I mean I I probably worse on clay out of all all the surfaces, but yeah, I would. I, I mean, I I'd want to win Wimbledon more, but uh, then yeah. it'd be the French. Then it'd be the French. But if we were to face off at, at Roland Garros, what court would you you would you you'd probably want it on court fourteen just in case you can get the crowd on your side. I'd want and... court fourteen or Simone Mathieu. To, to create a hostile atmosphere. Yeah. Maybe, I'd get yeah. Them on my side, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, just, yeah, Svitolina, it was uh, 266275. Um, yeah. And then next was, I mean, I made a brief visit and briefly watched uh, Clara Towson against Evanesian. Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw not much of that. That finished with Evanesian beating Towson 366175, which. It's a shock in a way. I know, like, Towson is not the highest ranked player. Yeah. But, as you were saying earlier, Avanesian has had one win on the tour all season yeah. until this French Open. 
So which I've forgotten where it was at, but he was at a two fifty event. Yeah. And uh I think he was against Sara Irani, so that doesn't count because yeah, Sarah Irani can't serve. And she loses to everyone so far this yeah. year. Um, um But all of a sudden she's managed to win six on the trot. But yeah, so uh but next on Simone Mathieu was uh Cameron Norrie against Lorenzo Massetti. So on paper Cameron Norrie had a more peaceful time but he didn't because he got booed onto court again <laughs> yeah he got booed onto court i think it was more so not the fact that when he was walking out but especially when the announcer said obviously i don't understand completely in french but they do go through their their yeah. little thing and they said yeah he to get here he's beaten benoit pair and lucas Puy. and i'm guessing that didn't go down too well obviously. No. um and then Massetti has beaten no one that's French, so it's okay. Yeah. And he's there, was, there was a lot of Italians in the crowd as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was an annoying American. Uh, no, there was a lovely American about six seats down saying, come on, Nari. Probably before you got there, but I was finding it particularly annoying. No, the worst people were the two Brits behind us that wouldn't stop talking. Yeah. Uh, so Nari wasn't very good. Let's just... No, I mean, he got the he, first set, he got absolutely smashed. He seemed flat, so maybe he does need to take on the entire French population like he has done in the last two rounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, literally the only compliment I can give Norrie is that he managed to make the third set competitive. Yeah, which I didn't see, yeah. but... It was irrelevant anyway. It was He wasn't coming back. Yeah. He had such a bad first two sets mm. that he was making bad decisions. It's a, it, the thing I don't understand, I know that out of like one-handers that I've seen, Massetti has got quite an effective one, yeah. especially on this surface. Yeah. But Norrie is left-handed. He's got that lefty forehand. Yeah. With And he produces a lot of topspin. Yeah. So... I do not understand why he was not utilising his left-handedness, essentially, to go into the one-handed backhand, because barely any serves seem to be going into the one-hander. Yeah. Like, but for Nori, barely we, any serves were going seen, over. That I like, literally, Rafael Nadal, I know he's one of the greatest of all times, yeah. but he did this against one of the other greatest of all time. He showed as a lefty how you beat a one-handed backhand, and that's just kick every serve into the one-hander. Yeah. You you put every, you just keep playing over-the-shoulder balls into the one-hander. But Cameron Norrie's never got past the third round of the French no, Open. But there's, there's there's a game plan there that you just... Yeah, but it's a game plan that's only been produced. No, it's not only been produced. No, but it's complete other, effectiveness. Other, other, other players, even right-handed players, no. Yeah. I think that's why you look at the head-to-head between Alcaraz and Tsitsipas is literally only Alcaraz, is because he just constantly puts those high balls into Sitsipas's backhand. Yeah, but like, it, is... It's another Ed... unbelievable player that's yeah. required it. And I'm not denying Norrie's not a good player, but firstly, he was having a terrible but like, game is, today. Is Norrie not around the same level of player as Massetti at the moment? Like, it's not like... 
Nori today was playing like he was an unranked, uh, un unseeded player. He was not a top. Where, where he's 12th in the world or 13th? But he was playing like that because his game plan was just dreadful. Yeah, he was missing everything. He was hitting it into the net. He had like three double faults in the first two games. I was like, what's this? What's he doing? Just he had. He went down a triple break in he, the first. He, he needs. He needed to play more high potential shots. Yeah, that was his problem. He was. Yeah, but I think Massetti also played a good game as well. Oh no, Massetti was obviously brilliant. A twenty-year-old, so um, another youngster. Yeah, making us look shit. <laughs> um, which is getting annoying. I'll be honest at this tournament where they're all. I'm just let, look. I'll be like, oh, they, they, they look good. Let's. Oh, they're twenty or they're twenty-one. Or something. We are really shit at tennis. Yeah, can they not just be um, like twenty-eight? And just, yeah. Just suddenly just yeah, turned out good, so that we've still got a chance of doing that. Just when we're twenty-six, <laughs> suddenly, wow, well, I've got into the top one hundred. No, Massetti is 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 really good, and he's got a really fun dynamic style of play yeah i think he's reached his new highest ranking with that win as well yeah i think he's 15th on the yeah. live rankings so it's six one six two six four was the score line um yeah yeah convincing but yeah so and then last up on simo Machia. so at this point dennis went home because he'd given himself heat stroke mm. and um, i was hungry and yeah, and then I went back to Simone Mathieu because there was still one more game to go. This was quite late. <laughs> yeah. And it was uh, Carolina Mukva against uh, Irina Camelia Begu. That finished 6-3, 6-2 to Mukova. And I admittedly didn't really watch much of Begu. Yeah. Um, because I just... Was positioning yourself around the court to get nearer to uh, Mukova. I, I've now, like, completely... Covered all bases, all angles on the mid No, no, this okay. I moved two seats today. Yeah. I literally, all I did was, when it became free seating everywhere in um, Simon Mathieu, I thought, I'm going to go sit in the exact same seat I had last year. Yeah. Um, and, but no, so Mukova, like, I'm just... I'm completely wrapped up in Mukova hype. I know that uh, as soon as you start hyping Mukova, she will just get injured for the next six months because that is sort of Mukova's thing. Yeah. Um, like good health and Mukova don't really go go hand in hand. But I mean, I feel like she can do anything. Like I very rarely do you see a player that is like because. You've got these terms of different types of players, like counter-punchers, yeah. aggressive baseliners, this sort of stuff. And there's this sort of like kind of broad category of all-court players, which yeah. supposedly are effective wherever they are. they are on the court. And I did not feel like there was anywhere that Mukova was uncomfortable on the court. She could be three metres behind the baseline, right in the corner, yeah. or, she should, or she could be above the net. And she's perfectly comfortable. And she's perfectly comfortable. Like, yeah. She's now moved with that winter. I've just checked 32nd in the world. So even if she does nothing in grass, she will be a seeded player at Wimbledon. Good. Um, well, I say that until she gets an injury at Birmingham, like 
somehow just breaks a leg or something like that. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I've got one note here, which is I will wish for permanent fitness for, for Mukova. For Mukova, yeah. And to be um, fair, I've just checked with her best finishes are at Wimbledon. Oh, no, no, she got to the semi of Australia, but two Wimbledon quarterfinals. So maybe without injury, she might be quite high up the rankings. You might have yeah. called that. Because her movement is good, and it's also really efficient movement. It's not... Because you know when you watch some players and you're like, they're moving fast and they're moving... They get into a lot of shots, but they, they're straining. Yeah. But her movement is just looks so steady. Um, no. And but yeah, so there's a there's a few things that I noticed with her. I mean, one of them is that um, she may now be my absolute favourite player because it's basically if you took my game style and put it onto someone that's actually good at tennis. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of fascinating because I'm watching that and being like, oh, this is what I could be. <laughs> what I could be. Yeah. I rubbish. Um, but yeah. Uh, another thing as well, she has a different forehand production to most WTA players that I think I've ever seen. Um, I've never watched it, so I could not comment on it. So what does she do? Her forehand production is more akin to what you would see on the ATP tour. Um, okay. So not not to say that any forehand is particularly better, because like, obviously there's plenty of good forehands in the WTA. Yeah. So, basically, when you see a lot of female players play tennis, the the elbow will be bent and stay close to the body because the most amount of strength is within the core. Yeah. So, you're using your body and you're twisting more of your body to produce the forehand. Yeah. Whereas Mukuba, she's using the shoulder. Yeah. So she really, I've got, I've even got a photo of it on my phone. Her arm straightens out. And then she... and, and the wrist goes really far back and she swings through, which I've not, I don't think I've ever noticed apart from her. I obviously there will be other WCA players that do this, but I've never noticed anyone other than her that has that, that forehand production. Because if you look at people that straighten up their arm and hit through like that... Yeah. Examples are Alcaraz, Federer. Yeah. Um, to some extent, Nadal's forehand straightens out at some point in the swing. I just think of myself, and I know that for a fact that I have a, a slight bend in my elbow. Not completely, like it's not tucked in. Mm. But it certainly isn't full extension. It's very much like that with a very strong grip and anything. But it's not because I'm trying to utilise my core strength. I think it's just the way I learn. Yeah, I mean, Djokovic has a bend in his elbow as he, yeah, as he swings through. So does Murray. It's not. It's not like an absolute hard and fast rule, but it is. It's just a different, well, it's slightly funny. more unique forehand production. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm now a big fan of Carolina Mukva and yeah. I want her to win everything. Um, unless yeah. she comes up against the Brit, then I want the, the Brit to win. Um, but yeah, so quickly, just elsewhere, um, big big result of the day. Sonigo, yeah, be- defeated Rublev five seven love six six three seven six five six three. Very long match. Yes. 
And then sort of the other big upset of the day really is uh, Mertens uh, defeating Pagula 6-1-6-3. But then it's an upset and it isn't because Pagula's never beaten Elise Mertens. Yeah, but it was a battering this time. And Mm. it was the first time in a major tournament. Yeah. Because we did check it and it was in Dubai and Cincinnati, the other two, who don't matter as much. Um, because they're not grand slabs. But yeah, Elise Mertens, she's looking good. She's gone on a like a run that's gone fairly unnoticed now. Yeah. Um other results today, obviously Alcaraz got through the night session, defeated Shapa Barlow, who was looking good prior to this match. Yeah. Um six one, six four, six two. Djokovic Started off having a little bit of a tough time against Davidovich Fakina. Yeah. 7-6-4, Probably. Djokovic. But, I mean, that's just what Davidovich Fakina does. He will run top players close, but never actually beat them. Well, yeah, and I did check. for It probably is an unofficial record. I'm not checked this up. And I don't think anyone will check it up. But three hours, 46 minutes. Probably one of the longest Roland Garros straight set victories ever. Yeah. Uh, considering the length of the first set. Sitsipas defeated Schwartzman on Long Glen, 6-2, 6-2, Sloane Stevens is continuing her annual run at a tournament. Yeah. Defeating Putintseva, 6-3, 3-6, 6-2. Sabalenka's through. And Kasakina, 6-love, six 6-1 six against Peyton Stearns. Yeah. Kasakina is looking very good this tournament. Yeah. He's got... If if that ma- if if there ends up being a match between Sabalenka and, and if, uh, Kasakina, I think that will be interesting because Sabalenka has the weapons, but Kasakina has the form. Well, incredible form in this tournament, and as I learned when I watched Kasakina the other day, she just sort of has pretty much everything. Yeah, um, but she's got to get through Sloane Stevens, Sabalenka. Mm, which yeah. could be a difficult one I think it could be difficult because Sloane Stevens, when Sloane Stevens is feeling like it is it's a very good player yeah so um, tomorrow it's just me at the tennis yeah um, Dennis is going to watch the GOAT he well he's going he's going to watch the FA Cup final first yeah um, and then go to a PSG match yeah to watch them pick up the title and see Lionel Messi. Yep. Who I was also told, I know that it's a tennis podcast, I did see that Paolo Maldini was on Chatrier today. Nice. So okay. that mean a lot to tennis fans. Yeah, um, I mean, he is technically a former tennis player. He has played at an ATP event. Okay. After he retired. Fair enough. Yeah. So I'm on Long Glen tomorrow or today when you listen to it. Um, where we have Zhang Zhishen, Casper Ruud. Yeah. Then we have Mira Andreeva, Coco Goff, Francisco Corundolo against Taylor Fritz. I think that could be a proper five-set lengthy one. I can see Corundolo winning that three sets to one. Okay. I've just got to. And then Danilovic against Anjibar. It's going to be a battering. I've criticised Dana Lewis before. She took out my pick of Jasmine Paulini. So uh, I don't want to mark against her, but Unjabu has looked good this tournament. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'm just looking forward to just watching two 
two probably two sets because it'll be straight sets yeah two sets of just drop shots yeah and then there's a Mira Andreva Coco Golf probably be the highlight of the day. Yeah. I don't think I'm back in Mira Andreva. You are, yeah. I don't think Zhang will cause uh Rude any problems. Mm. I briefly watched him in a build up tournament and he's just a tennis player. Not the best analysis, but he's a tennis player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um just Elsewhere, um, on Shatria tomorrow, uh, there's Rabakina Surabes Tormo, which yeah. could be interesting. Of Rune Olivieri Sviontek against Wang Jinyu. Yeah, yeah, she's played well, but I just think she's gonna get wiped the floor with. Yeah, or uh, and on Simone Mathieu, the match that I'm interested in, and I might pop over just to to have a, a brief gander. Yeah. Is Bianca Andreescu against Lesia Sarinko. Yeah. Um looks a decent game. Alexandrova and Haddad Meyer. Could also be a close one. Yeah. I'd I'd be tempted. Part of me is that the problem is that sort of roughly happening at the same time because part of me would also be tempted to just go see Schmid against Kayla Day, just so I could have one last court visit to Court Forty. Yeah, you could go. I mean, I don't imagine that will be the most... It's going to be full of Americans. Yeah, I know, but I also don't want to have to go from Simone Mathieu to Court 14. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if you're going from Longland, it's not that bad. No. We do talk through uh, this walk like the people listening to the podcast have actually been to the complex. But it means something to us, so just... Run along with it. Yeah, I mean, the only way to describe it is imagine going on a expedition uh, yeah. to another country, and that's like the walk to Simone Mathieu. Okay. Well, what I'd have explained it is just imagine the complex. Do you know, do you know when you imagine like Victorian explorers trekking through a rainforest? Yeah. That's like how it is to get from the main complex to Simone Mathieu. Yeah. Yeah, except there's a like a stop on the way where you can get a magnum. Yeah, um, and you might occasionally bump into Francis Tiafo like I did. Yeah, or if you're a random person in the public, you can see uh, me with my hairy chest swapping a Liverpool shirt for a Daniel Medvedev French Open shirt. Yeah, um, I did get a round of applause, or I think I heard it in the background. I'm sure it was for me, rather than the game being played. Anyway. I think we probably better wrap up. Yeah. Thank you for listening. And, I mean, thank you for listening to yesterday's episode, which was a challenge. This one should hopefully be a bit better. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, it has been... It has been a delight recording these podcasts so far, um, despite the challenges. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's just been a delight being in Paris, let's face it, yeah. to watch the French Open. Only three more to go. Yeah. But we may have coverage from some of the uh, grass court tournaments coming up. Maybe. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Remember, we have an Instagram and a, t- and a Twitter, both of them at unseededpod. Yeah. We have an email address, unseededpod at gmail.com. And yeah, uh, rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now and subscribe to us there. And yeah. Um, See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Goodbye.